from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people, credit union ideas. I am Craig Sauer, Senior Editor for CUNA's Credit Union Magazine. Today's guest is Jessica Oliver, the Director of Financial Outreach at Pelican State Credit Union. Oliver will be speaking at the upcoming CUNA Lending Council Conference, November 12th through the 15th in Nashville. Her breakout session is titled, Creating Qualified Borrowers Through Financial Education and Outreach. Oliver explains that financial education, outreach, and getting the whole story creates more qualified borrowers and develops stronger member relationships. She discussed her approach with my CUNA colleague, Jennifer Walt. So Jessica, your title is Director of Financial Outreach. Can you explain what exactly you mean when you talk about outreach? Yes, absolutely. Um, For Pelican, financial outreach really encompasses all of the different ways that we fulfill that social responsibility and ongoing education principles of the credit union industry. We focus a lot on reaching out to our communities, not only for those normal things like sponsoring walks and participating in food drives and things like that, because that is all considered outreach, but we also focus a lot on doing education in our school systems with um, local businesses, because we are still a SEG-based credit union. We also do education in local libraries for the community um, with homeless shelters, women's shelters, after-school groups, um, and seniors groups as well, especially focused on identity theft for that group. So for us, outreach is, is really fulfilling those principles and what we can do to connect with our communities and help them grow. So what kind of financial education and outreach programs does Pelican State have in place? I know looking through your website, I saw um, some free financial literacy workshops, but what are those and, and, and what else do you guys do for your community? Uh, well, the workshops are great because those are... Um, events where our credit counselors go into the community or our seg groups or any of those places that I named before, and they actually teach on specific topics. Uh, we cover things, everything from budgeting to buying a home, something as simple as, you know, how do you, how, where's your paycheck go? Because, of course, you know, Lots of it goes to taxes <laughs> and helping young people understand how those things work. Uh, to things as complicated as, as I said, buying a home or purchasing a car or thinking about investments in the future. So we try to cover many different topics. A lot of those take place in those groups or in libraries when we do them for the community. Does it usually focus on one specific topic? in each workshop? I mean, it's not like you're talking about buying a car and buying a home and where your paycheck goes all in an hour or so. No, no. We definitely try to focus on one topic, and it also helps uh, bring in the crowd that's really focused on those type of issues and needs and be able to address those questions in a more effective manner. So we always try to focus it on one main theme when working with the community. Okay, so workshops, what else, what else do you guys do for your members and your community in terms of education and outreach? 
Yeah, we actually do some um, ongoing, what we call ongoing financial education in many local high schools. We work with different groups in the high school, uh, some with particular teachers, whether it be their business class or their civics class, and we actually go in and teach financial education topics to them on a monthly basis. And then at the end of the of the school year, they take a test and they pass, of course, because they've all paid attention. Of course. <laughs> and then they graduate, exactly, they graduate from this program. And so it's a really great way to bring financial education into the school system because some states, like Louisiana, have recently put into place a requirement for financial education, but unfortunately, it's an unfunded mandate. So it doesn't give the teachers a lot of help with trying to actually do the education. So we've been able to to really help out teachers throughout the state get that into the classroom and into their students' hands. So that's been really exciting for us. When you go into classrooms, are, are you seeing that kids really don't have a clue when it comes to financial lessons and ideas? Yes. I, I think that we see, uh, you know, you run the gamut on things like that. But I feel like a lot of the times it's either they are very hyper-aware of finances and they have very focused goals on what they want to do because they want to make X amount of dollars when they graduate or whatever it may be, or they are completely uninformed about those subjects and don't even realize what's going to be required of them when they try to go to college or tech school or even just out into the world. So it seems to be a pretty broad spectrum, but most of them lie in that I know a little bit or I don't know a whole lot area. Okay. And are they walking away better informed and they're like, I think I understand this now for the age that they're at? Oh, absolutely. We do pre- and post-tests. So the great thing is we can see the progression of how they answered the questions the first time and how they answered them at the end of the course to show that they really have gained that information and that knowledge. Um, we've also recently implemented the CUNA Mad City Money Simulation to many of our high school classes. And so now we're going into local schools and capping off that education experience by having them go through Mad City Money and really figure out, oh, wait, I have to make a budget and I have to buy a house and I have to buy a car. It's a really great experience for them to see what real-life spending is like. Probably quite of a quite a um, an eye opener and a little bit of a shock, I'm guessing, for some of them. Oh yes, oh yes, and they really enjoy it too. They have a lot of fun with it. And I bet schools and parents are really appreciative that their their kids are are learning this and that they're they're getting a little bit of an idea, an insight into budgeting and saving and how much everything just costs. Yes, yes, they are. In general, what what makes a financial education or outreach program, what makes it successful? What is it? What have you found it has to have in order for people to really grasp it and catch on and go, I want to pay attention to this because this is important for me? I think it really has to be basic in the sense that it has to be relatable to everyone. You have to have concepts and information that really speak to who the credit union industry serves, which is individuals of modest means. Pelican is a low-income designated credit union, so for us, we're speaking to a lot of individuals that when you talk about saving for retirement, you're talking about 
you're talking to people who are just living paycheck to paycheck. So it's really difficult to get them at that level when they're not quite there yet. So we really try to gear what we're doing to the audience that we're talking to. Um, it's not fair and it's not appropriate to say, oh, you have to save this much and you should do this much when the members really aren't there yet. So we, we spend a lot of time making sure that what we're talking about is relevant to our audience and really something that they can go home and apply themselves and something that's not too lofty and um, too large of a concept or too difficult of a concept to apply because they don't have the situation or the means to do so. What are examples of some of those things that you you, you talk about in terms of a goal or um, an idea that, like you said, isn't too lofty for them or too unreachable? A lot of times when we're talking to members about saving, especially if, for instance, um, they, they are living paycheck to paycheck, maybe they're in that low-income bracket, you know, we first, especially with our, like, free credit counseling services that we have, members come and meet with our credit counselors, and the first thing we do is assess their situation. And... We always say that it's never our place to judge. <laughs> so we tell them what they have going out, what they have coming in, and then we help them prioritize where they want to spend their money. And a lot of times that's the biggest step because when you're in the midst of that type of situation, you feel very overwhelmed and you don't really want to deal with it sometimes because it just seems too difficult and it just seems to be too much. But a lot of members find that if they really sit down and kind of lay it all out, they can find ways to save even $10 a week or $5 a week. And it sounds like a small amount, but when you add it up over time and you create a savings habit, then individuals can start really preparing for the future by just building these small habits bit by bit. You said that's in a one-on-one -on -one type situation, not a small group. Do you find, is, is that... Because I would imagine that if, if I was that person in that situation, I would be a little worried if I'd had to go into a small group and say, well, this is my paycheck, this is my problems. Oh, absolutely. The workshops are a really great way to introduce the concepts and give people the tools and resources that they need. And a lot of times from those workshops, we get uh, members that come in and want to speak to the counselor independently. And that's when they can really get down to the nuts and bolts of their situation and what they need to do personally, because you're absolutely right. People don't want to share that information. You know, things about money are not things that people like to talk about. So they want to keep that private. They want to maintain that pride that they have in maintaining their situation. So we definitely encourage members that are interested um, after hearing about these concepts and things at the workshops to come meet with us individually. And it's, it's all a free service for our members. And do you see a, a big response rate? Do you see a lot of people coming in and saying, hey, I want to sit down and talk with somebody? Absolutely. We, we really do. Actually, our program has grown so much um, over the last 10 years that I've been with the credit union that we've gone from one credit counselor to six. Oh, that, that's a bit of growth. Yeah, we're, we're excited about it. And as the credit union grows and we add more branches, you know, we need more people. But it's great to see so many people committed to trying to improve their situation. Okay. And initially, what, what drove the, the, the creation of these programs? Was it members coming in and saying, 
I want to learn this, but I don't know where to go, or I need help with this, and I don't know where to go? Or was it somebody at the credit union saying, this is something we don't offer, and I think we should? Or was it a combination? It was a little bit of both. Um, it was members coming in and having issues actually with payday loans is one of the biggest um, issues, I think, that our members here in Louisiana face is um, having to deal with predatory lending. And so we had members that were really struggling in that payday loan cycle, but then their credit scores and things like that were not high enough for us to consolidate those loans and help them out of it. So it became a this cycle of, okay, what do we do? You know, we really want to help our members because they're our members, but then we can't because this is just too much risk to take on. Plus, we don't know if they'll go back and get part of this cycle again because this is their behavior pattern. Mm. And this is what they feel comfortable with. So we need to try to work on that. So our CEO, Jeff Conrad, was like, hey, we can't, you know, we have to help the members get out of this situation. So he hired our first credit counselor. And that's kind of where she started, was working with members that were having those type of problems specifically. Um, and then I said, over the years, it's just grown. And now our frontline staff is amazing with identifying members that need help and sending to them, sending them to us to talk to you. So it's been a wonderful situation of just trying to get people into the program and educated and organized and get their scores up so they can do what they need to do. And when was that first credit counselor hired? 2006. Okay, so about 10, 11 years ago or so. Now, we've talked a lot about some of the um, the programs that you do, and, and like you said, helping out your members who are who are maybe living paycheck to paycheck or falling into that payday loan trap cycle. You're talking at the upcoming HUNA Lending Council conference um, about using outreach and education programs to create that qualified borrower. For starters, when we see the word qualified borrower, what are we talking about? We are literally talking about members that will pay back their loans. Uh, for, for lack of a better term, that's the basic. When we evaluate loans, that's what we're looking for. Are they going to pay us back? Because ultimately, that's what matters the most to Pelican, is that you pay us, right? Because we're giving you the loan. Um, in some cases, that may still mean that they have a low credit score or that they have collections or high DTI and things like that. But ultimately we've taken steps to ensure that they will pay us back. So um, that's really what qualified means to us. I mean, obviously we have a lending policy and you have qualifications and attributes to help override the exceptions and, and, and all of those things like most, um, you know, lending departments have. But ultimately we look at are they going to pay us back. So, so what steps do you take? Because it sounds like you're not just looking at numbers. It sounds like you're looking at that member as a whole? Absolutely. Um, we look a lot. So when we review the credit report, one of the things that we do is ask a ton of questions. Um, we want to make sure that the member's story matches what we're seeing in, on, on, in print because many times members will come in and they'll say, okay, you know, we've had this family emergency or a spouse died or a parent died, and so we got behind here. Okay, well, does their story that they're telling us match what's on the credit report? Is that really when they fell behind? Were they 
perfect up until then. You really want to get to the meat of what's going on in the member's life because that will help guide you into will they pay you back. If it was a loss of a job and now they've been back at this new job for six months to a year and things are going great and they've caught everything up and they just had this little blip when they were out of work, then ultimately that's most likely a member that's going to pay you back because they have in the past. Um, So we're really trying to get down to the nitty-gritty of what are the member's behaviors, what are their patterns, how do they pay us and others? Um, how are the payments set up? Something as simple as payroll deduction helps increase the amount of, um, you know, the, the probability that they will pay. How long have they been a member with us? And, and are we really getting, like I said, the full story of what's going on in their lives? So once again, it's really that getting them to open up and, and talk about their financial situation. Because like you said before, not always easy to talk about money. Right. Absolutely. And our MSRs have to, just like our, um, you know, credit counselors almost have to be, uh, one of our other employees called it a money therapist, (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of what you end up being. But it's a great way to continue to build member loyalty because if you are the person that is continuing to assist them and help them get back on their feet and improve their scores and meet their needs, then they're going to continue to come back to you time and time again. So if you find a member who's who's seeking help in, in the form of a loan, and, and maybe even though you look at their entire story and they're maybe not quite reaching that qualified status where you're like, we know they're going to pay us back. Do you kind of nudge them towards some of your programs that you guys have available and hope that they pick up the skills then that they'll need to learn to become that person that you know will pay you back? A hundred percent. Our Again, our frontline staff is amazing at even calling the member back to say, okay, this is why you were denied. And these are the things that our analysts you know, suggest that you work on. So if you'd like to meet with one of our credit counselors, we can set you up a meeting and they will be happy to help you work on these issues. And so eventually you can buy this new car or purchase a home or whatever it may be. So it's, again, that relationship between the rest of our staff and our counseling team that helps bridge those members from those denials to eventually being able to get approved for a loan. Because we're going to give them the tools and resources they need to improve their situation so that they can be qualified. That's great to hear that you're not just flat out denying them and saying, well, we're not going to give you the loan and I don't know what you can do. Like, I, It's great to hear that you're kind of giving them that roadmap of here's the steps you need to take in order to get the approval and not just that denial. That That's right. great to hear. And I bet members appreciate that a ton. They do sometimes. <laughs> no, they they really do. You know, it is hard though. It's I do not envy the job of of the person that has to call them back and have that conversation. That's a very difficult conversation to have with someone who has put kind of all their hopes in your hands, and you have to let them know that unfortunately it's just not something we can do. So I'm very thankful for our staff that that can do that, and I'm very thankful that my job is the other side of that, to to just help them improve. And then by the time I'm done, they're they're definitely going to get approved. (laughs) 
has has this kind of has this approach helped the lending department in terms of number of loans that Pelican State's been able to give out or members that they've been able to help? Oh, absolutely. Over the years, we've definitely increased our volume, and that's what's helped grow our asset size. When I started back in um, 2007, I think we were in 100, 127 million, something like that, in assets. We're over 300 million now. So our growth has been able to just, you know, and of course, in addition to all the other things that the rest of the departments are doing. But our loan growth has definitely been aided by the way that we look at how we approve loans and um, our counseling program and just really, like I said, kind of doing it the credit union way, thinking about what you can do to make sure that your members will pay you back and that they'll keep coming back for you to help them. And you're, you're still giving the members those financial skills that they need in order to not only get them the loan, but um, increase their knowledge and, and their overall kind of financial health, I guess, would be a way to put it. Yes, yes, that's exactly what we're trying to do. Other than your session, what else are you kind of looking forward to to those few days in Nashville? So we're really interested in seeing what other people are doing in different areas, mortgage. Um, We do a lot of mobile home loans and things like that in our area, which not a lot of other lenders in this area do. Um, So we're always looking for new information and ways that we can incorporate things into what we're already doing because ultimately it's all about what you can do to help the members. You know, how much further can we go to solidify their financial stability and help them meet the needs that they have? So I'm really excited. I'm excited to see, you know, other speakers and kind of get to know more people in the lending area of things. Um, Prior to my position now, I was actually in marketing and business development side of the credit union world. So um, that's a lot of the people that I know. I'm just really excited to kind of meet people in a different arena and discuss information and, you know, like you said, kind of hear about what everybody's doing. And what do you hope people take away from your session? I really hope that people take away that our members are not just a credit score and they're not just a DTI and they're not just a a risk number. They are really people that we can help. I think lots of credit unions already look at things that way, but maybe they don't have the tools in place to be able to take that kind of risk. So I'm hoping that we can share that with them so they feel more comfortable going out a little further on a limb. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play.